Today's episode of Beyond the Rut is sponsored by Capshow, which is the ultimate AI content marketer for entrepreneurs who podcast, vlog, or live stream like yours truly. Stay tuned throughout this episode to discover more ways you can use Capshow for your content. For now, let's get straight into the episode. I think this idea of self-awareness is underrated um, until we recognize and own what is. And taking the time to do that not only helps you, it helps the people around you. What would be the advantages of working to your strengths? What could you accomplish if you identified what your superpower was? That's what we're going to discuss in today's episode. Welcome to Beyond the Rut, the podcast about helping you achieve your dreams without compromising your faith, your family, or your health. I'm your host, Jerry Dugan, and in just a moment, we're going to be joined by speaker and coach, Jenny Schubering, who helps her clients identify their strengths and leverage those strengths to their advantage so that they know where their weaknesses are, where they need to flex, all that good stuff. So we're going to talk about the advantages of working to your strengths, how to identify your strengths, and where to go from there. So sit back and relax unless you are putting up your Christmas lights. Just keep listening to us while you do. Here we go. All right. Hey, Jenny, how are you doing right now? I am doing fabulous. Thank you. Awesome. You know what I didn't ask, and I normally ask this before we hit record, is uh, where are you calling in from? I usually like to brag that I know where you are. Oh, I am calling from Green Bay, Wisconsin. Oh, okay. Oh, the guys in the 90s who used to take the 49ers out of the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, in the 90s. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on. Okay. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm over it. Uh, I think I follow the Patriots now and Tom Brady like everybody else. Um, but it's okay. It's okay. Um, actually, I've got a good friend from uh, Wisconsin area. Uh, I knew him in the army and, uh, they, they, cause he married another friend of mine in the army. Um, so the two of them had like six kids. Uh, they don't live in green Bay per se, but they live in a small town outside, but somewhere in the state of Wisconsin. I'm not going to ask you if you know them because it always annoys <laughs> me when people ask me if I know so-and-so from Texas. I'm like, I don't know. It's a big state. It's a big state. <laughs> <laughs> now we cross paths in a group called the Christian Podcast Guest Group on Facebook, and uh, I basically just thrown it out there. This is what the show is about, and I'm looking for guests who are either experts on an area that can help this type of target audience, um, or has a story that can help inspire somebody from this audience. And the the target audience uh, is you know males between 35 and 45, married, children, great corporate job great pay. They've got a house, cars. Um, they live in the neighborhood that everybody wants to live in. And so on the outside looking in, everything looks fine. Like, what is this guy? What does he have to complain about? And when you dig deeper, you get to know that person. You find out that uh, he's struggling in some way. He feels stuck in a rut in some way, whether it's uh, in his faith and in, in believing in something bigger than himself. Uh, maybe it's the family connections he's got or doesn't have that maybe he feels like uh, people don't love him or recognize him or respect him. And it's not genuine if he does have any connection whatsoever. Maybe it's his fitness, out of shape, um, not doing the things that he would like to do. Maybe body's falling apart, whatever it is. Um, finances, you know, maybe he's going to a job he hates because he's got bills to pay and just feels overwhelmed and uh, is probably giving up future possibilities, the future dream because of all these other circles kind of falling apart. And you reached out to me and said, hey, I've got a message I need to share with that audience. And I was like, 
great. Tell me. And there were two things you, you threw out there. One of them was uh, you got to know your core values. And uh, the other one was uh, knowing your strengths from like the Clifton Strengths Finder uh, tool. Um, and you don't just like throw that out there willy nilly. You're, you're a coach. You're a speaker. Uh, and so tell us, how did you get into coaching others? You know, what was it in your own life that inspired you to you know, say, you know what, I need to help people the same way because I've now been blessed to know this, to have this perspective. Mm, thanks for asking that. Um, <laughs> my my church actually started about 10 years ago, started a process called Transformational Discipleship. And they got a grant and um, uh, it was an 18-month commitment. My husband and I chose to go through it. And one of the pieces of it was to get a coach to walk us through the process. And that one-on-one was so impactful to me. Um, an outside perspective, seeing the same things I do, but in a different way and in such a way that gave a new lens to it. Most of the time it was like a, it was a godly lens to it. And it, I hate to be dramatic, but it literally changed my life. It changed how I interacted with my husband. It changed how I parented. It changed how I saw myself as God's beloved child. And that changed everything. I started working as a receptionist in my, my coach is also a counselor. Um, I started working in her office as the, re- the receptionist. And what was happening, it's a really small office. So you get really, familiar with the people who come in. And what was happening is people started showing up 20 or 30 minutes before their appointment with the counselor to talk to me first. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) So that was super fun. And, you know, it was, it was curiosity. It was just asking questions and, and my, the, the people who were in the office noticed and they said, Jenny, you should go to school and get your counseling degree and come work for us. And you know what, Jerry, I had no desire to go back to school, not even a little bit. <laughs> um, and so, uh, the whole life coaching process intrigued me. And so I reached out to somebody who actually was one of the leaders in the transformational discipleship. He developed the process and I reached out to him and just said, Hey, I don't want this to end. How do I continue? And he said, well, thank, thanks for asking. And I will work with you if you would like that. And so that was 10 years ago. And I just had a call with my coach this morning (laughs) to deal with some stuff. So um, he has been really gracious with his time. And I've learned so much about the coaching process um, and the the way to ask questions and just help people find their potential in God's kingdom is really my goal. And that has been extraordinary to be a part of. Yeah. Your origin story into that work is interesting, too, because it it tends to be one of two ways that somebody winds up being a coach or a counselor. Uh, either A, they've gone through some kind of trial or tribulation or crucible of some kind. And chances are you've gone through one as well. Uh, but the other thing that maybe – so they come out of that crucible and they're like, I must help others also navigate this path I've gone through. I don't think they say it that way in their heads, but that's how I imagine it. <laughs> but then the other way is what you just shared with us is that you just kind of noticed one day that people are showing up because you're such a good listener that they're able to share out loud what's in their heads and uh, you're able to listen in such a way to kind of bounce things back at them when they need to hear it. And so that is a gift. That is something that not everybody, I mean, everybody could develop it. Uh, 
Uh, but they're just some of us that, you know, that's kind of their strength. It, it shows up. It, it's a, uh, maybe even a talent, something that comes naturally and then you develop into a strength. So I'm kind of getting ahead into the Clifton stuff. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm following show- you. I'm following you. <laughs> awesome. I'm, I'm mainly showing off for my boss who listens. He's like, Hey, Jerry does know these Clifton thingies. Uh, now he's going to give me a hard time because I said Clifton thingies. Um, <laughs> and that's how I'm, I'm going to know he listened to this episode. I'm like, Oh, okay. You listened to the one with Jenny. Awesome. <laughs> Now Steve knows I plant phrases into the show just to see when, (laughs) where he is. Um, You're welcome, Steve. But uh, anyway, I'm back. I'm back. Okay. So, uh, (laughs) uh, so it's really neat to hear that. And then um, you you also brought up, you know, the, the questions that you ask, how you ask questions when you coach. Cause a lot of people think coaching is, I just tell you advice. What you need to do Mm -hmm. is blah, 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 blah. Uh, Why is it so important that you use questions to help coach somebody? Stay with us. We'll be right back. And now let's talk about how you can use CapShow to repurpose and market your content. If you have a business like me, you can upload your cornerstone long-form content, like podcast episodes or YouTube videos, into CapShow, and it will create all your content marketing assets for you. And here's the coolest part. CapShow is more than just a robotic AI tool. It's a powerful blend of artificial and human intelligence designed by marketers to help you organically reach more of the right people on more platforms. Go to beyondtherut.com slash capshow, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day trial and see for yourself. Now, back to the show. Well, it's very empowering to ask questions. And I think that's really, at least the way that I coach, I think that's what sets the coaching apart. We're not consultants. We are, we are not counselors. We are coaches. And so, um, I believe that you have the answers and it's my job to bring them to the surface. And that way I do that is through asking questions. And you are so much more likely to buy in when it's you coming up with it. Yeah. And that's, that's the end game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you want support from somebody uh, on your idea, you not so much to manipulate somebody, but you also ask questions, paint the picture and let them decide, yes, I'm on board uh, mm-hmm. or no, I'm not. And you, you can definitely lead folks that way. And, uh, but we're talking about coaching. So it's more about, you know, what do I, Jerry want to do with my life? And then you as the mm-hmm. coach asking me those questions, digging deeper, making me face things uh, mm-hmm. that uh, I may not want to see yet or want to pretend not to know. It only works if you're willing to do the work. Yeah. Um, and so when you get there, it that's where the, the shift happens and that pivotal um, impact happens. And it's it's amazing to be a part of. Yeah. And if you just perked up right now, she said shift happens. So shame on you. <laughs> What's wrong with me? I don't know, Jenny. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I'm dying. No, no, totally out of curiosity because this is the kind of thing I would do when I learned these skills around, you know, coaching and consulting. Uh, did you ever practice these skills on your own family? <laughs> and what kind of results did you see out of that? Um, I will say uh, when I coach my children, I think it works pretty well because again it's empowering them it's asking them the questions it's not me just telling them what to do um coaching my husband on the other hand is never a good idea Uh just putting that out there it's never a good idea ever (laughs) um and so uh we we uh both 
have been guilty of doing that. And it just doesn't end well. And we love each other dearly, but that is not a place where we should go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, my wife Liv has caught on when I'm trying to do it to her. Like, you know, if there's something she doesn't want to face, maybe it's a fear. Maybe it's a, maybe it's just something as simple as let's try new foods. And she, she knows what she likes. She knows what she doesn't like. And then there's this whole category of stuff she's never tried. And, uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Liv. I love you. Uh, <laughs> uh, but then there are times where I'll just ask her, like, you know, what would happen if, you know, 10 years from now, um, y- you know, that, that restaurant closes and you never had a chance to try their cuisine. And she's like, don't try to coach me. <laughs> I know what you're doing. <laughs> you're trying to get me to see this future without this restaurant, but I really don't care about that restaurant, Jerry. I'm like, okay, well played. Touche. Um, <laughs> But it, it worked for a few months and then she caught on real quickly because I think she heard me do it to the kids and I helped coach my son out of, um, out of baseball, like helping him realize he really didn't want to play baseball. He was like a sophomore. Sure. And, yeah. Uh, it's was- challenging to do people you love, you know, because you're invested in their outcome. And I think coaching is most effective when you are detached from the outcome. The outcome is not mine. The outcome is my clients, people I'm working with, and they're the ones who have to own it. They're the ones who have to work through it. Um, and my job is to coach them through it. So if I'm invested in their outcome, then it gets too muddy. Yeah, that's true. You get to the point where you want it more than they do. And mm-hmm. then that just, then, then you have to go hire that guy who's the counselor that yes. <laughs> got you into this in the first place. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Now, one of the things that we talked about uh, when we were getting set up for this this conversation was that, um, you know, men need to hear that they have values. And uh, I think with that, that there's value in that. So um, why is it that knowing your values and your core values is so important, especially like in today's day and age for men? Sure. So it's one of those things that we think we know what our values are. Um, but if I ask people what their top, you know, four values, four or five values are. Um, There's a lot of stuttering and like, well, probably this or that. And the thing is about values is we base our decision making on our values, whether or not we've identified them or not. And so when we do identify them, we are able to be more intentional with our decision making, we can be more confident in our decision making. And then we can also understand where some conflict is. Oftentimes conflict comes from where our values aren't being honored and or our values are rubbing up against somebody else's values. And so like this was so evident to me in this past year with all the COVID things and stuff. And when this all got you know, when this all started happening and, and things were shutting down and and everybody was going through some sort of like, this is really hard. Like it, it changed how people thought, you know, like people were kind of in a funk. But I'll tell you, Jerry, I was in this whole, I felt like, and I could be maybe exaggerating, but I don't think so. Like I was, I felt like I was at a whole nother level of funk and I couldn't get out of it. I was so just sad and and questioned everything I was doing. And and I think other people were too. But what happened was, is I went back to my core values. And I looked at my core values and my core values are relationships, freedom, wisdom, 
an impact. And so within a week, my relationships were hammered, my freedoms were hammered, my my uh, sphere of impact was hammered. So three out of my four values just were getting crushed. And it wasn't until I was able to identify that, that now I can work through it. So now I can look at it because before I was just re- reacting, like it just was happening and I was going into this funk. And once I was able to identify it, now I can work through it. So now I can say, okay, my relationships have been hammered. What can I be intentional about to to keep my relationship strong with the people outside of my home? What can I be intentional about with my freedoms, taking note of the freedoms I do have and where I need to speak up if there's freedoms that I think I need to speak up for Um, and, and being able to recognize the impact that I'm having right under my own roof. So it allowed me to reframe right where I was at based on my values and then allowed me to keep moving forward instead of going farther into a funk. Yeah. I could see that um, even being present in men. You know, I, I think this is one of those things that doesn't know gender. It, it right. probably inside of all of us in some way, shape or form. And I'm thinking of all the men I've come across, you know, friends of mine, family members who, uh, you know, they're pursuing that career. They're pursuing that next job title, that next promotion, that next pay raise. They're working long hours. They're, they're passing up on vacation time. And what I found is, you know, when that person finally has that breakdown, like maybe the family falls apart. And so I'm thinking about like the, the conflicting or not knowing your real values, you know, what really mattered most to you. And, and so you pursue what you think is the right thing, but it's really costing you the values that matter most to you, like your family and your relationships, uh, being loved, loving others. Uh, how do you, how can men get past that or identify, oh, shoot, I'm going way too far? Again, it comes down to first identifying what your values are. And there's multiple ways of doing that. Like I, you can go on my website and download a list of value of 75 values. And like Brene Brown has a list of values and you can order value cards on, uh, on Amazon or whatever. Like you can find values if that's helpful. Cause sometimes seeing a word helps with identifying what it is. Um, and then, and, and then narrowing it down. So, um, making a statement about it because when you have, you know, you might say family is my value. Okay. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean you're the people in your household? Does that mean your extended family? Does it mean the friends that you consider family? You know, and the beautiful thing is you get to decide that you get to make the definition, but it's really important that you do make that definition so that you can be clear on what your values are. Um, and so looking at those and then recognizing to not have judgment on them. So often I will work through it with people in my office and they'll be kind of deciphering which ones they value more than the other ones. And they hesitate like, oh, this really should be a value of mine. And as soon as the word should comes up, it's not because then it's not a value of yours, regardless if you think you should or shouldn't. There's a judgment on the fact that it's not. And that's okay. Um, and the other part about values is that they change. What I value as a 48-year-old woman now is way different than what I valued at 25, you know, and, and men too, like, and what you value when you do have a family, when you are married, 
um, is way different than, you know, when you're a 16 year old kid, like that's going to be quite drastic. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so that's, those are all things like to do your value work on a regular basis. And then the other part of it is then to share it, share what your values are. So when my husband and I are able to look at if we're struggling together, like there, there's a conflict, knowing our values helps with the intent. Like, I know your intent for me is good. Let's look at what is holding us up here because I'm not feeling the love that you say that you're giving, even though your intent is loving me. So it's a whole, what happens is there, there's a whole conversation that can come about. There's a, a, a consistent vocabulary that can come about. And so whether it's with your spouse or with your children, to have that kind of conversation can be a game changer in your community of whatever that is. If it's a community under your roof or the community in your, in your work, um, those are all things that are going to help you um, be able to recognize when something is going too far. And, and when you invite community in, you have people who know you and love you that say, Hey, hold on. <laughs> I know this is your intent, but this isn't how it's being received. And so what do we need to, to change? When we, when we sit in our own stuff and we don't reach out to community, we are only seeing things through our own lenses. And that's where the benefit of a coach comes in, gets that outside view, um, getting a community of people who love you that are willing to speak truth to you. Um, those are all pieces of helping pe- uh, men not to go too far, to not take it to a level that isn't healthy. Uh, community is a huge part of that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, being among other Christian men for me, especially early in my faith, uh, really helped reinforce me. You know, there's the the cliche verse that gets quoted in men's ministries, uh, Proverbs 27, 17. I gotta look at it and make sure I got it right. The as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Uh, so it's about accountability and and sharing those vulnerable moments. Like, hey, I'm struggling with this. No way, I am too. And then right. somebody else, yeah, me too. I went through that two years ago. No way. How did you get through it? <laughs> and, right. and then they start sharing that that wisdom, that knowledge with each other, and uh, just been a huge help with me. And some of the the rules that uh, we would just kind of agree to over our own lives. Um, really helped shape me into who I am, gosh, 16 years later. And and even if they have men's groups, one common thing we see is the moment it gets real, the moment somebody gets vulnerable, that's when the leader of that group needs to really connect with that guy after the meeting, make sure he's okay, make sure that he feels courageous enough to come back again. Because a lot of times what happens is once they peel that bandaid off, even though they were supported in that group, that inner talk, that self-talk, uh, of course, we'll say, you know, even the devil will get in there and start just pecking away saying, look, now they all think you're weak. Now they all think you're fake. You just told them the truth of who you are. Get out of that group. And the person will leave the group, never come back, maybe even leave that church and never come back. And so there's a lot of courage in being a part of a group, even more courage to be vulnerable. And I'd say even more courage to keep coming back. So yes. hopefully that encouraged somebody just now. <laughs> right? I was not planning to say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's fun, f- funny, that that's a dumb word, but um, Brene Brown, she's somebody that I just, I follow her, I her her research on vulnerability and connection is is stellar. Um, but she calls, the, the, she has a word for it, she calls it um, vulnerability hangover. 
the day after you're vulnerable and you're going, what did I just do? And so for the community to come in and kind of scoop up and, and recognize like it's, it was good that you shared. Thank you for sharing. And, and when you are vulnerable, that gives other people permission to be vulnerable. And it's, and I think, you know, I, I'd like to say that women are better at that. Um, I think they can be, but I think, I think it's a struggle for both for different reasons. Um, but I, I think it, when it does happen, it's so powerful. So powerful. Yeah, life-changing. <laughs> uh, one of the things I was thinking about when we we're talking about values is, uh, you know, kind of knowing the precedent or the, the priority of each one, like which one kind of mm-hmm. overrides the other, or not so much override, but like which one is more of a core value than the other. And sure. it just made me think about my own life that, uh, you know, and here's a secret nobody really knew about beyond the rut, but, uh, or at least Brandon, the the original host of the show didn't know was, yeah, you know, I mentioned at the, very, at the very beginning, you know, faith, family, fitness, finances, and future possibility. Those are kind of the five buckets of my core values. Uh, so my faith, number one, followed by my family, followed by my fitness, followed by my financial uh, health readiness, and all of that to support or all of that driven by my outlook on future possibility. And uh, now I can break each one of those down a little bit more, but, you know, Somebody's probably going to fall asleep if I keep doing that. Uh, but the, <laughs> uh, driving all that, though, uh, somebody had shared or asked me on a show that I was on as a guest, uh, Llama Lounge, and they'd asked me, you know, what's the motto I go by? And I told them it's the the motto that's on the Dugan family crest, which is um, by virtue and valor. And so I, I pursue my connection with God by virtue and valor, you know, by trying to uphold the, the virtues, knowing I'm going to fall short, you know, I'm not going to be perfect. I, that's not my role. Uh, but with valor, the courage to be humble, the courage to set that example uh, for my spouse and for my family. And, and, and then all the rest kind of fall into place from there. Uh, all that. And so to land my plane is that I noticed as we were talking that when I started to make that priority, so God first, followed by my family and my family relationships, I make it a big point to be there for my kids. You know, when they have a big event, I need to be there. Uh, when they have a practice for baseball or dance or whatever it is, I want to be there as much as possible. Um, if I think I've only missed a few holidays over the, the last 18 years and those still kind of ache my heart and the family's like, ah, it's no big deal. I'm like, it is to me, you know, <laughs> like, you know, they're, and cause there are dads out there who are never a part of any of those events and they have no clue that, you know, their daughter wants a sweet 16 party or anything like that. And, and, uh, you know, even you know, like my daughter was on the dance team in her high school and their dads don't even go to the football games to see their daughters perform. And I, I made almost every game I could. I think I missed three in, in three years, uh, maybe four. And that's all because I moved up to Dallas ahead of the family. And so, uh, all that to say, like when I share that with other guys or when I share it with my coworkers, Hey, I can't be here on Friday. I got to take the day off. Why? My son's got a performance or my daughter's got a performance. They kind of look at me like, really, you're going to leave work? Yeah, I'm going to leave work. But don't you have work to do? Yeah, uh, that's where I get my work done before I go. Uh, <laughs> and they're like, well, what if something happens on Friday? Well, I this is the cool part. Because I value my family, I want to take time off to be with my family. It made me a better leader in the sense that now I'm equipping the people who report to me to be able mm-hmm. to do what I do without me there, as if I were there, to be able to make some decisions up to a certain point on their own. Um, to give them ownership over things. And by doing that, 
they're more than willing to take on that responsibility and grow. And at the same time, I get a day off. And then, of course, I pay them back because when they want a day off, I pick up their load and they take the day off and I don't bother them. And so I think knowing my values, knowing the priority in them, I've been able to be a better leader, uh, be, be a better team player even, uh, because there's going to be times where I need to cash some checks. <laughs> so <laughs> if somebody needs a favor, I'm going to do everything I can to help them. Why? Uh, one, because that's just who I am. I'm, I like to help people. But two, that's emotional capital I may be able to tap into or may have to tap into in the future. And not in a manipulative kind of way, but just sort of a, I would like them to do the same thing. The, the golden rule. I'd like them to do that for me as well. And uh, who knows? Not everybody's going to pay me back, you know, but if you help enough people, enough people will pay you back. So <laughs> anyway, thanks for uh, opening that up for me. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Woo-hoo! This is so free for me. <laughs> Uh, now, I don't want to run out of time. I know one of the other things that we wanted to dive into was, so we, we talked about values and how important it is for uh, men to know their values, why it helps drive our decisions, whether we know our, those values or not. But then there's also, you know, uh, somebody I used to work for really was big on, I mean, she was a big Brene Brown fan as well, um, but she was also big on you play to your strengths. You know, you, uh, we oftentimes try to do the things we think we should be doing. Uh, and you'd brought that up just in talking about values that, you know, the moment somebody says, maybe I should value this. Well, that's somebody else's value, not yours. Um, and it's kind of the same thing. Like you have some talents that are just innately yours and mm-hmm. like your gifts and you can turn those into strengths. Um, but the world tells us, find out where you're weak and shore those up. So like, <laughs> where, where's the shortcoming in like just shoring up on our shortcomings and why not just play to our strengths? Well, here's a, a, a fun little exercise. Do you have a pen and paper in front of you by any chance? Pen, yes. Paper, paper. Hold on, I got paper. I got paper. There we so go. I, I want you to write your first and middle name. Okay, okay. And then I want you to write your last name with your non-dominant hand. Oh, shoot. <laughs> well played. Oh, man. I don't even know what leg to use. Okay, here we go. It's crazy. I can hear the letters in my head like I'm in kindergarten again. <laughs> Saying them as I write them. Okay. Okay, so what did you notice the difference? Um, the, the Jerry and the Samuel I wrote out in less than a second. And sure. it's legible enough. You can tell. Oh, well, you can't see it. The lighting's off. Yeah. And then when I switched hands, gosh, I took a good, what, five seconds just to decide which leg I was going to put the paper on because <laughs> it felt so uncomfortable. I was like, I, I, I don't know what to do. And then I was like, wait, which way do I angle the paper? And then I'm like, what's the first letter in my name, my last name? And so in my head, it was like, D, <laughs> U. <laughs> and that was five letters right there. And all that time that you guys heard silence, that's what was going through my head as I was writing. So it took a lot of focus a lot of effort and it wasn't comfortable. Okay. So there is the beautiful example of why you want to work within your strengths than your weakness. When you, when you decide that I'm going to look at my weaknesses and I'm going to focus on those to fix them. We don't do that when we're writing. We don't say, you know, just to better myself, I'm going to use my non-dominant hand. We don't do that, right? We do what's, what's natural. It's natural to use our dominant hand. You're efficient. You don't have to put thought into it. It's just what you do. And it's, and, and that's the beauty of our talents is that they are innately 
it's how God created us. Like he put these in there. And I love that Gallup put together this, the Clifton Strength Finder and, and kind of put it in the, this 34 category, you know, things and, and, and beautifully described. So that's the tool. And you don't have to do the Strength Finder. You can take time to identify what your strengths are by, um, you know, talking to other people, what do they notice or, you know, what comes naturally. And, and so when we find what out what our talents are and work within our strengths, we are more efficient. We are quicker at what we do. We enjoy it more. Like you were not exactly enjoying working with your non-dominant hand. Yeah, You're like, exactly. ah. <laughs> like going back to community and recognizing that there are people in our circles that have strengths that we don't. Instead of trying to fix ours, let's find somebody who has that strength that we can tap into where they can feel that invigoration. Cause that's what you do when you're working with your strengths. Like you get that invigorated feeling. You get that like, that was awesome. I can't wait to do that again. We do not get that when we're working within our weaknesses. We're like, oh my goodness, I hope I never have to do that again. And so when you can find somebody else to have the strengths that you don't, you're allowing somebody else to have that same kind of invigoration where they're able to use their God-given strengths um, for whatever purpose it is that you're putting together. I would even say being okay with not having the strengths of somebody else. Like, yes, we don't all have to be Navy SEALs. <laughs> no. <laughs> and we no. don't have to grow out the beards and pretend to be Navy SEALs. Like, it's okay. The world has its Navy SEALs. Uh, they have their Green Berets. They have their soldiers. But they also need their bakers. They need their fathers. They need their husbands. They need, you know, their teachers. We're in a cookie cutter world and we're not cookies. Yeah. <laughs> Right? Yeah. Right. And that's so true. And and when we get to recognize, again, identify those strengths, um, sometimes because they come, I just, I, one of the first men I coached, he, um, he, we went through the Strength Finder. I actually do that with every one of my clients. I pay for them to do the Strength Finder because I'm, I can coach you better when I know your strengths because I'm going to coach you somebody who who has you know well well you have context so um and very strategic your top three are all strategic so i'm going to coach somebody with strategic a lot of strategic differently than somebody who has all relationship right so it's really important for me to recognize be able to identify the strengths and then the fun part is then to help you understand what your strengths are and how they impact the world and um and I just remember th- the first time I coached a man and his number one strength was maximizer. Hmm. And, and when he was talking about, um, he, you know, I'm like, what did you learn about the strengths as you went through them? And he's like, well, I can see my two, three, four, and five. It's like, but I do not see the maximizer. And I'm like, really? Okay. So I started asking questions and he worked at, at a, um, mechanic shop and um and work and he was telling me about the kids in his in his shop that he could just see so much potential and he couldn't wait to talk to them and teach them and and show them what they you know what they could contribute to this and how that would make it bigger when they leave and how they can go out and i'm just like so uh you saw mag how you could maximize 
those kids. And he's like, wait, what? He's like, and he said, doesn't everybody do that? I'm like, no, no. But we think because it comes so easy to ourselves that everybody must do it. And it and it, it never occurred to him that other people wouldn't do it. And so when we were able to fight, notice where the maximizer showed, it shows up everywhere in his life. Of course, it's yeah. number one strength. You know how he interacts with his wife and his children and his work. It showed up everywhere. And and so for him to recognize, like this is this comes naturally to me, and it's a strength. How amazing is that? Yeah. And it's so amazing to see that light bulb go on, like. This is a beautiful thing and that I have that kind of impact by simply being me, by simply being who God created me to be. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I I was just going to think, of, I was just thinking of a funny, funny thing in my marriage. Uh, early on, uh, Liv made the mistake of saying yes and going, actually, before we even got married. So this is her fault that she got married to me. <laughs> uh, now that I think about this, Liv, <laughs> you said yes, sucker. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> This is going to be the episode she listens to and be like, really, Jerry? That's what you did? I'm sorry. Uh, So anyway, uh, yeah, we were dating and she made the mistake of saying, yes, let's go to the Frankfurt Museum. And I, it wasn't until maybe we did get married and we went to the USS Lexington Museum that I realized, oh, my, my wife is gone with the baby and the in-laws. Where'd they all go? And uh, so it turns out that not everybody reads every single placard in the museum and stands there for five minutes trying to imagine what it was like back then. Uh, and I didn't know that. <laughs> I just thought that's what everybody did. That's that's why they put the placards there. So you read them and then they put the exhibit there in front of you so you can imagine what it's like to be there in that time period uh, to be the John Smith wearing the you know Navy uniform on the deck of the Lexington getting shot at. Why else would they have that there? And then, right. you know, five feet later, there's another uniform and you go through the yes. whole thing again because right. this guy, unlike John Smith, smoked. So what would it be like if I smoked just like this guy did? And, you know, imagining the coughing on the first time I took a cigarette and, and my wife's looking at me like, no, nobody else does that, Jerry. And, and my in-laws are like, wow, we were starting to like you too. You're, <laughs> you're so weird. And this is like, maybe the first month of the marriage. <laughs> uh, now it's almost 20 years later. So uh, they obviously love me, but right? yeah, they don't go to museums with me. They, uh, they You could me. go with my husband. Awesome. He has learner in his top five and he too reads every single nice. plaque. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Learner's in my top 10, uh, just not the top five, but it's close there. Yes, but yeah. your context is what yes. yours is definitely... And I love that you have context and futuristic right in your by, top five. Yeah. Like, that's like the whole gamut. Yeah. It's <laughs> amazing. Give me the, the history lesson and I'll tell you the future 20 years yes. from now. This, is, this would be really cool if this, I'm, I'm willing to bet those, um, the hovering aircraft carriers they had in the Avengers. Sure. Probably from somebody like me who went to an aircraft carrier museum and said, you know, it'd be cool if <laughs> these things could fly <laughs> and fight yes. aliens. Uh, so for somebody though, who is, uh, you know, listening they're you know, they are that target audience. They're that male, late thirties, early forties, married children. Uh, they just feel like maybe they're in a job that isn't making the most use of their strengths. Mm. Um, 
but they don't know what those strengths are. Right. So it's kind of a two-part question. What could that guy do to identify those strengths? And then, yeah, we're, we're, what options are available for that person from there? Sure. So, you know, we're, we've referenced the Clifton Strength Finder, and you can go online and take it for 20 bucks and get your top top five strengths and a beautiful description. Um, they have a couple of reports that get spit out at you. And what's amazing is that um, there's an insight report. I always encourage people to read that first because that is very specific to you. So my husband and I share two strengths and our write-ups are different. Oh, wow. It's not a canned, hey, if you have if you have context, this is it. It is really how you, Jerry, use the strength. And so for somebody to have the same top five with the same description is one in 33 million. Really? Really. Wow. It is so specific to you, which is why I love this tool. There's tons of tools in the coaching world, but this one to me, um, it always comes back. Like if somebody talks about, uh, oh, I did the Enneagram um, and 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 Everyone who's done the Enneagram and StrengthsFinder, they typically tell me, it just reinforced what I learned of the StrengthsFinder. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, right? So, um, and it's not, and a lot of the other ones are very, for lack of a better word, a canned response. Like, if you're this, this is what it is. And and it's for everybody. And the spe- how specific the StrengthsFinder is, is what just enthralls me about it. Um, so, you can go on that. You can do that. Um, and then, or, you know, if you don't want to spend the money, you know, ask people, ask people what you, what, what do they notice? The people who love you, the people who work with you, what do they notice where you get invigorated? Because really when you're in that strength, you have that invigorated, like, I cannot wait to do this again. Um, and where do you show up? Um, and so once you're able to identify what those are, One of the things that I do with my clients then is to help them see where they use the strength. Because so often, like I said, it's so ingrained in who you are that you don't even notice that it's making an impact. And so to be able to peel away some of the uh, preconceived notions of what it's supposed to look like and really look at how it is, how does it work? Where do you, where does the strength show up in your work? Where does it show up in your relationships? Where does it show up when you get that invigorated feeling? Like, and walking through those very specific things because being able to identify it and seeing where it shows up, then it allows you to, to be able to step into it even more. Um, if we don't see where we're using it, then it, it goes to waste. But I guarantee that you are using it. And so, if you're not able to see it in your work, for sure that sometimes that happens, right? Like the goal, I think, is to be working within your strengths 70% of the time. Like if that would be amazing. If 70% of our life we were working within our strengths, there are times where we're going to have to work with not in our strengths. There are times that I have to be disciplined. Discipline, you can pay a bigger price and then get all 34 Um they don't give you nearly description, but I, I looked. Discipline, uh, it took me almost 10 years before I looked past my top five because I really wanted to focus on my top five. Because I know if I look at my 34, I'm going to look at what's on the bottom. And I didn't want to focus on that. And that's what it, really what I encourage my clients to do too. So discipline is way low on my list, 
like way low. <laughs> and so, um, so, but there are times in my life I need to be disciplined and it, it is really hard for me. So it doesn't give me an excuse, but it gives me an understanding as to why it's so hard for me. And then I might have to put in a few more efforts to, to be able to be more disciplined. I'm going to have to find other people who have discipline. What can I learn from them? Um, you know, and, and so there are times where that is necessary, but we don't want to focus on those times. Um, and we want to be able to see where that is. And so when you're in a rut, what in your work, being able to notice what they are and see where you are using them. And honestly, you know, when it, it if you're a believer and you can ask God to show up, ask him to say, where is this being shown up and where can I use it? Um, he answers that every time. Oh, yeah. And so inviting him into it so that, you know, you can see again from a different lens to see it from God's lens, to see how God sees you and how he can see what you're doing and how you can use those strengths for whatever it is your mission is um and that which is really empowering and it's not easy like especially if you feel stuck it's not an easy process having um people don't come to my office and have you know like think this is going to be easy work it's not um but it's so worth it yeah yeah they say like the job of a coach is to look at that oil, oiled machine and then put just a little bit of sand or grit to cause <laughs> friction to help polish those gears a bit more. And that is, that is true. Like if that mm -hmm. coach isn't pushing you just a little bit further beyond than where you are, uh, then they're not adding enough grit. So it makes sense. If I want to succeed in life, you know, why not be like an athlete and hire a coach and uh, you just happen to be a professional coach. Uh, yeah, so, <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so how can people reach out to you to, to say, Hey, Jenny, I, I want to get better at and know the things that you just talked about on Jerry's show. Uh, probably the easiest way is to go to my website, which is jennyshubring.com and there's a book, a call and, and you can click on book, a call and it's a, it's, complimentary <clears throat> it's a complimentary call and you um we talk for 30 minutes about you know what you're looking for and to see if if how i can serve you and if we're a good fit and then as uh, if you mention this podcast uh your first session will be free nice i also have a facebook page and an instagram and all that too so if you're on any of those things like you can reach out however is best for you and we'll get started any last words of wisdom for the audience listening i think this idea of self-awareness is underrated i think um especially in the christian world i think sometimes we have this idea of what it's supposed to look like and we focus on that way more than what is and we really can't make any shifts until shifts until yes. <laughs> until um until we recognize and own what is and taking the time to do that not only helps you it helps the people around you the impact, it, I totally believe in big impact. Like, even if it's only in your home, what you bring to those people then goes out from there and the people they impact. So it's a multiplier of impact. 
And it really can start from you deciding, I want to learn more about who I am and how I can impact the world around me. Jenny, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, looking forward to staying in touch. Yeah, thanks, Jerry. This was so much fun. I it was a great way to end my day. So thank you. So you just heard from Jenny as she shared with us how she got into coaching others, how it's important to know what your values are, and what are the advantages of knowing your strengths and applying them to your work day in and day out. So we hope you found value in this episode, and the best way you can pay us back is really to pay us forward. So hit that share button and send this episode to someone you feel would find as much value as you did, if not more. Now, I'm so glad you joined us this week, and if you'd like to get some more information, be sure to check out the show notes at beyondtherut.com slash 283. There you'll find a link to Jenny's website, and if you go there and sign up for that initial call, just let her know that you heard about her through this show, this episode specifically, and she'll hook you up with another session for free, just for listening to this show and then reaching out to her. And there you have it. Now, I'm glad you joined me this week. I look forward to joining you again next week. But until then, go live life beyond the rut. Take care. You know, the best thing I love about Cap Show is that they have one of the best communities ever. As a Cap Showian myself, I always get invited to masterminds with industry leaders to get the insights and marketing strategies that take my business to the next level. Plus, they love surprising and delighting us. Go to beyondtherut.com slash Cap Show, that's C-A-P-S-H-O, and start your 14-day free trial with the Cap Show team today and join me inside that community.